Hello, I'm Monsignor Jim Lasanti. Today, I'm personally speaking, I'll be joined by veteran firefighter and paramedic Jason Sautel. He's the author of a new book. It's called The Rescuer. The subtitle, One Firefighter's Story of Courage, Darkness, and the Relentless Love that Saved Him. Please stay with us. Jason is a veteran firefighter and paramedic from Oakland, California, who shares his experience of job stress and depression and how he came to be saved by faith in a new wonderful book called The Rescuer, one firefighter's story of courage, darkness, and the relentless love that saved him. Jason talks about his life-saving work, helping to save people every day, but realizing he had no idea how to save himself from his deep depression. Today, Jason Sotel shares Christ-centered stories and lessons through his writings, his speaking, and more than 700,000 Facebook followers. He's here with us today to talk about his work on the front lines, the faith that saved him, and his wife, Christy, who led him to his faith. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, the author, Jason Sotel. First of all, Jason, thanks for coming on the program. And my first question has to do with a scary story that you tell there about being locked in a closet when you're a young student. And it reminded me, a few years back, I wrote a column for the Catholic Press, and uh, I talked about some of the uh, emotional abuses of the teachers I had in Catholic school. And one nun who's a friend of mine said, don't publish that because, you know, we were so young and inexperienced and we didn't mean to do the things we did, and I didn't publish it. But my point in asking this question is, that's really a traumatic moment for you, one of the first and most traumatic moments of your life. Have you ever in the course of your life, Jason, had an opportunity to make peace with that teacher who was foolish enough to take a little kid and lock that child in a closet? You know, first off, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, you know, making peace for many years I could not. But obviously when I put, put my faith in uh, Jesus and I actually started to learn what um, giving grace looked like and what being able to give forgiveness looked like, I can honestly say, yeah, I, I did forgive her and everyone that was involved. But does it come back to sting every once in a while? By all means, it does. Mm -hmm. But when, when it happens, you know, I just try to reflect my thoughts onto something good and honestly say, hey, hey, God, what, what can... I learned from that moment that I can bless others with. And that's kind of why I told the story too, because I wanted to, people to see how bad things could be, mm -hmm. but how wonderful it can be when we put our faith in into Christ and how he can fix things. Jason, in turn, having had that bad experience as a young child, um, how have you tried to approach children yourself? You know, whenever I'm with children, I kind of, seek out the child that's standing off to the side and alone because, you know, at our local church, all the, the kids are grouped together playing in the children's ministry, and that's awesome. But I always look for the one who's kind of the, the outcast, the standalone, mm -hmm. and I try to safely approach them in a way that's not intimidating. And being a fireman for many years was a great way to do that because when all the kids on the playground were doing their thing, when we were doing stop, drop, and roll, um, 
things at the school, I would try to find that one kid and just let them know how amazing they were and what a leader they were and try to just, I only get a moment with them and I wanted to just, you know, speak some encouragement into them in a way they would understand. And usually it was just telling them that, hey, don't worry about all those crazy kids over there. You know, you're a leader and that's why you're standing over here alone. For our listeners around the country, Jason Sotel's book, The Rescuer, is clearly a testament of faith, and it's a man who has made a personal commitment to Christ and also has had personal encounters with Christ. He's not just the God far off, but a very intimate friend of Jason. Uh, but Jason, let's go back in time. How were you taught the faith, and and was it effective, the way in which you were taught it? When you go back into your childhood, uh, the way in which faith was given to you, effective, not so effective? not so effective at all. My uh, parents divorced when um, I was pretty young. I was thinking in the third or fourth grade. And my father, who's a, an amazing man, but he, he dealt with a lot of struggles of his own being a Vietnam veteran. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I was kind of taught that church people were bad. They were annoying. They were hypocrites. They were rude. They were mean. And it kind of took hold of me in an earthly sort of way. So as I grew up and became a young man, the church was the last thing I wanted anything to do with. Okay. And going to the point you just made, when parents are having a hard time getting along with each other, how did that impact your own vision of relationship and marriage? You know, I I looked back into it and saw that first off, um, it was a godless marriage. They neither, my mom's a um, a believer of the universe. I, my dad just doesn't have any faith whatsoever, which shows me that if you don't have a Christ-centered relationship, it won't work. So going through the horrible childhood that I did of having to grow up alone with a Vietnam veteran, father in a single parent household after my parents left, it, it just really taught me why we got to bring Christ into all situations and let him uh, lead the way. And, and obviously for marriage, that's what's helped our marriage. I'm sure you've given this some thought, Jason, because you've been through it with your dad. But um, what do you think we can or should be doing for the next generation of veterans, the guys coming back from Iraq and from Afghanistan? Clearly, your father was uh, very much impacted on by the uh, sadness of war. Uh, As someone who grew up in that home, what would be your counsel, your advice, your hope for people who are coming home from uh, new war zones even now? You know, that, that's a great thing because being an Oakland firefighter working in West Oakland, what, what I do is obviously that is nothing compared to what our men and women in the armed forces do. Okay. I mean, I didn't have people shooting at me, but mm-hmm. being on scene of some of the most horrible things a human could witness that other human beings could do to each other. I witnessed that where we would go out on a hundred shootings per year and it, it just really was tough. And what happened was I picked up a piece of every one of those scenes and they stuck to me. Mm -hmm. So how do I equate that over to our men and women in the armed forces coming home? Well, they're, they're away from their families. They're, they're in an environment that's unknown and they're picking up all these pieces of trauma. Well, how it affects each individual person. I think we have to take a, a holistic approach, meaning Jesus leading the way, not a worldly holistic approach, but assess each individual because When someone's having a heart attack, if I was to give them stroke medications, I could make their heart attack worse. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of think about that in the same concept of when someone's dealing with a struggle, 
the pain is there and we're all feeling the same pain, but how it entered and how we're dealing with it internally is different. So we have to assess each individual need and get, get these folks the help that works best for them. You know, a few moments ago, Jason Sotel's our guest, his book is The Rescuer. You said, you know, unlike being in a war zone, people aren't shooting at you. But I wanted to address that because, uh, as we know, that's unfortunately not necessarily true. Uh, Certainly in New York, firefighters and police both talk about the fact that they'll go into a neighborhood to rescue, to save, to serve, and sometimes be abused by the very people they're there to serve. Now, have you any insight, Jason, into why people would want to reject the very people like yourself who are coming in to help. Yeah. You know, when you work in different areas and I just don't want to say West Oakland where I was had just certain folks in there because it was full of amazing and wonderful people, Mm -hmm. but each system, broken system in this world, I've noticed has a kind of sins that kind of goes with it. So if you're in an impoverished neighborhood, it's almost like evilness uh, really feeds off of anger and hurt for being disenfranchised and stuff. So when we would show up, I always kept the mindset of my job is to show up and help without judging. So if someone was coming at me, obviously we'd keep ourselves safe. And I've been in some very tough situations before, but we would keep ourselves physically safe. But the mindset that kept me going through it was just serve, this, this is someone who's going through some major struggles right now. I don't know what they are, but this is my job. Now, how would we deal with the, the other sides? Not being a police officer, I can't speak into that because, you know, our, my brothers and sisters in blue, they've got it tough. Mm-hmm. And we can spend hours speaking about that alone. But as a firefighter, a lot of times it didn't affect us as much because people recognize us without being the the folks that were enforcing we were kind of the ones who showed up and tried to make it better mm-hmm. and again i'm not trying to be rude to the to my cop friends and stuff because they have a tough job but sometimes our job was easier that we wouldn't get it all the time we have uh, jason sotel as our guest jason there are literally thousands and thousands of firefighters around the country I've read reviews of The Rescuer and people who read it and loved it, but I'm wondering, what do other firefighters think of your book? You know what's kind of cool about it is, respectfully, I don't really listen to every firefighter's story because we've all been there. We've all made a hallway that's 1,200 degrees as we're trying to push through, and, and we know the feeling, so we have that common bond. But what I've been getting feedback on is the feelings that I kind of put into it because it's not a firefighter book. It's what I experienced while fighting fire, but I also wanted people to understand what firefighters go through and what they put their bodies through. Mm-hmm. And so the feedback that I've gotten from most firefighters is all, wow, you're, you're really opening up your life in a vulnerable way. And even the firefighters I've worked with, they came to me and they're like, we never knew this about you. Yeah. I said, because I didn't share it with you guys because we had to put on that macho tough mentality. So I think just breaking down the barrier and being vulnerable is what I'm getting the best feedback from firefighters. Because again, a burning house is a burning house, explained to another fireman. Mm-hmm. But when we, we talk to each other about how that incident made us feel, that's where, where I'm getting a lot of feedback. Uh, Father John Powell was a famous Jesuit writer, psychologist, many best-selling books. But uh, he used to say there was no better way to teach than by uh, sharing our own story and making ourselves vulnerable, which is what you do in The Rescuer. Uh, was that a struggle for you to put on paper uh, not just the great things that you've accomplished in your life, but some of the moments that you were weakest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was um, 
this project was tougher than I thought it would be. And I'll be honest with you, I probably tried to quit three times and mm-hmm. just wanted to walk away from it because it, it did open up a lot inside of me. And it's that I could still feel this sting of the thorn. And what, what I would do is I'd pray and then I would go to my elders and I'd talk to, to my pastors. But most importantly, just having a, a, a godly wife praying over me while I was doing this helped me through the process. But it was extremely tough because, first off, I wanted to point people to Jesus through my stories, not just wow them with the stories. Secondly, I, I didn't care for the fact that a lot of times it felt like it was just about me because I had a team of people around me at all times. But since I was a storyteller, it had to be that way. So that was the, the struggle there. And lastly, these are real people with real hurt and real pain. And I wanted to keep them protected because the last thing I'd ever want to do is have someone look at the book and say, that was my husband, my wife, my child. Mm-hmm. And, and I hurt them that way. But the last thing I'm going to add about that, I know that God gave me these experiences and he wanted me to find the goodness in it that I could ultimately glorify him with. And that's why I pushed through with writing it. Jason Sotel is our guest. His book is The Rescuer. Uh, you know, one of the people who clearly comes out of this book as a heroine in your life is Christy, your wife. Can you tell us, how did you meet her? And and why has she made such an enormously positive difference in your life? Well, like any husband, I'm going to want to ogle over my wife and go along here. So I'll give you the short version. <laughs> um, I was out to dinner with my mom and my niece, and Christy was actually our server at the table. And as a young firefighter, in a sinful way, I had multiple opportunities to to go on dates, which I took advantage of. But I was just at a time in my life where I was done with all that. And when she walked up to our table, there was something different about the way that I saw her treating people, caring, listening, talking to my niece. And when I gave her my phone number, it was so awkward, which usually was really easy for me. And um, she actually wasn't going to accept it because she says she's not going to date someone with a child. And I was like, whoa, not my child. That's my <laughs> niece right there. She thought I was <laughs> so um, we went on a couple dates after that. And what the difference was between her and every other young lady that I dated up to that point was I would destroy those relationships because of my past and the hurt and the pain I had. And, and it was wrong. And I'd been in a couple long-term relationships, but I would destroy those relationships. Well, she wouldn't let me, but she kept a firm grip on me. And the biggest turning point was one day we had a horrible call at the firehouse where a child that was in a hit run accident just down the street. And I was holding this child who had already died and her mom was there screaming and crying and she was holding me and I was doing everything in my power to keep the yellow blanket around this little girl because the car did so much damage her. I didn't want her mom's last memory to be of her little daughter looking the way she did. Well, when I told Christy that story, she started crying and she said, well, at least that child's with Jesus. Prior to that, I'd say, no, I don't believe in Jesus. And that Bible, that's just a fake little book to me. But something started to change when she said that to me. Well, shortly thereafter, she asked if we could meet up and I figured she was going to dump me. Well, she sat me down and during that meeting, she told me she was in love with me. But she was refusing to continue dating me unless I went to church with her. Now, she didn't say I needed to be a Christian. Right. But she says, I'm in love with you and I love you so much. And you're hurt so bad and broken so bad. I need you to go to church with me or I'm going to dump you. 
I've never had a woman say that to me before. <laughs> right, right. What a special lady she is, you know. And you started to go with her. Yes, yes, I did. And I uh, heard a message that actually bothered me a lot <laughs> called the gospel <laughs> message. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Sotel also in The Rescuer has uh, so many wonderful and powerful stories. But um, Jason, this past week, I con celebrated the Mass for uh, a young man who had committed suicide. And you talk very poignantly about uh, trying to talk someone out of being a jumper and taking their life. Um, what's it like to be in that position to know that what you say or don't say might make or break the situation? And in that particular circumstance, you almost talk about the fact that that decision to end life is is a uh, something from the dark side of life. You didn't quite call it the work of the devil, but very close to that. Yeah, you know, first off, Jim, I wasn't trying to sugarcoat anything or water it down, but I wanted to safely bring stories to the masses of people and stuff. And, and I also wanted to engage them like I do, because ultimately, you're not going to get away from me without hearing about Jesus. I want to be clear on that. But sometimes I'm just not coming straight in with that home run swing, if you will. But on that certain situation, I was talking to man, and I didn't have visions or anything, but you know, when you look in someone's eyes and they're just, they're not there. The, the, the person isn't there. And you can just see the, the beat down that they've taken from the world, the darkness, the evilness has just overpowered them. Mm -hmm. And they just look, it's an empty look. And that's the look that this gentleman had. And what scared me is when I was talking to him, we we're on the Bay Bridge. I thought he was going to come back over to the, the railing and survive. But he said, I'm sorry. And he looked back and I could see him for a quick instant before all of a sudden that blankness, the darkness came back into his eyes. And he stepped back and took the eternal plunge and, and died, committed suicide. But the scary part of this was that look he had was the same look I had when I had in the mirror because of my traumatic childhood plus responding to other people's emergencies without knowing how to rescue myself was just eating me alive. And that's what scared me about that incident. And um, yeah, so it definitely was evil. It definitely was the devil. It was definitely, it could be so many things brought together and me not being a theologian, I don't go too far into that. All I do is say, Hey, I was there for the end result and the end result was not good. You know, some years ago we did an interview with uh, uh, the football player, uh, Drew Brees and he talked about the experience of his mom uh, having given in to depression and committed suicide. And he wondered, you know, would she see the face of God because she made that choice? And I explained that our church is very clear that God's mercy is so vast that it makes up for the bad decision of that person who's committed suicide. And yes, the person who commits suicide probably is in the embrace of God. Um, do, do you believe that? Do you believe that God's mercy is so extensive that nothing we have ever done or will ever do can uh, separate us from God. You know what? 100% I believe that. And being on scene, that's just one of multiple, I'm not going to say hundreds, but I mean, I've been on more suicide scenes than I wish to be on. And I remember one particular scene was a mom was asking me that same question. And I just looked at her and I said, nothing can separate us from Christ once we put our faith in him, nothing whatsoever. And I do believe that with all my, my heart, with all my soul. And I do believe in scripture. It's also backed up there, but to go further on, she looked at me and said, but he never professed his faith. 
And I knew this guy who actually killed himself. He was oh. another firefighter. And I was there consoling. I wouldn't say in the, the capacity of, of a chaplain, but I was called to help the scene because he was a, his mom was a Christian. And so I told her, I said, well, he never did profess his faith to me. But I just want to tell you, I worked with people who were atheists. Mm-hmm. They didn't profess their faith. And I worked with Christians. And I saw your son do more Christ-like things on the fire ground, helping other people, than, than I've seen some of these professing Christians over here do. And I said that not to bring her false hope, but I, I just couldn't leave her with, oh, yeah, your faithless son is, is not in heaven right now, and it crushed me. So to finish up, yes, I do believe your statement of nothing will, can separate us. Yeah. Jason has talked in the book very powerfully, too, about struggling with those low moments, the times when we want to give up, the times when we have no hope. Um, having lived and continuing to live, live new hope, Jason, do you have any ideas for people who are listening to a program like this who are saying, I am just so paralyzed by my depression, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I can find a way out? Uh, from your own walk in that world, what would you advise them? You know, I would advise them first off, seek other people first off, Mm -hmm. because a lot of times we can say, oh, just turn to scripture, which I believe 100% that's what we need to do. But sometimes I honestly feel that our mind gets so clouded with the noise of this world, the noise of our own stuff we're going through, that, that we can't open up and hear God speak into us, Holy Spirit, and through scripture. So reach out to people that can actually help get some of that noise that's penetrating you out of your head so you can now hear the truth, feel the love. I mean, when I was getting ready to commit suicide, I was saved by someone who just showed up and took me out to breakfast. And (laughs) it wasn't the church. It wasn't, I mean, ultimately, yes, it was God, but it wasn't the local church that saved me. It wasn't me sitting with my Bible saying, it was a person coming over who could see that emptiness in my eyes. And it was another firefighter. Mm-hmm. And I was at the point of no return. And my plan was so good that I wasn't coming back. And he could see something was wrong. He said, let's go to breakfast. Wow. And he helped clear my brain of all the bad for a few minutes so I could feel the good. And I wasn't a Christian at the time, though. But that was a big turning point on when I was able to start hearing or feeling the call of God calling me to his son. Jason Sartell is our guest. His book is The Rescuer. You know, Jason, often enough when you're a priest, people will say, um, uh, first of all, would you recommend this to anybody else? And they often ask, would you do it again? I'm 40 years into this and they say, would you, would you do it again if you had the choice all over again? I now pose the same question to you. A young person who thinks they want to be a firefighter, knowing the challenges of the work, would you recommend it? And in your own personal story, would you do it again? 100% would I do it again. Um, unfortunately, I'm not a firefighter anymore because I uh, got injured on the fire ground and I uh, broke some bones in my back and injured my hip and had to get some surgeries. And after 22 years combined of being a paramedic and a firefighter, I had to leave. Mm-hmm. But those 22 years were so rich and so full of so much goodness that I was able to show up and use my God-given gifts and abilities to bless others, but I didn't do it just for me. As an atheist, I did because it made me feel better and I was basically self-worshipping then. But once I turned to Christ and I became a Christian, I realized that goodness came from above, everything came from above. And I realized that I could take 
everything that he's given me and try to pour it out onto others and do it in a way some people can't by being on emergency scenes of holding someone as they're taking their final breath and their eternity is being locked in and then consoling family members afterwards and, and having that ability is such a blessing. But, you know, I also don't want to just keep the, the, that part of it. There was so much good and camaraderie and fun in the firehouse. And I absolutely have loved it. So I would do it 100% again, but I want to be very clear as a profession that I hold near and dear to my heart. I do not believe any young man or woman should ever go into this career unless they feel like they've been called to selflessly serve others okay. because you do put your life aside, leaving your family and friends and your number one job is to show up and help others without judging, no matter what their situation is. I want to share with our, uh, our listeners around the country. Jason answered a fire call that would change his life. He was trapped inside a burning 20 story high rise with his boots, pants and turnout coat covered in flames, looking death in the face He's never seen the world the same way since. Uh, and I just thank Jason for uh, taking that moment and transforming it into much of what the rescue is all about. I think we can read something like this and imagine it must be overwhelming, but he's taken what was overwhelming and transformed it into a story of the journey of belief and faith and trust in God. Uh, and it's a beautiful thing. You know, we, we often say that you can run from God as long and as hard as you want, but the moment you stop running and turn around, there he is with arms open wide. And that's what Jason Sotel is sharing with us. He's not painting himself out to be some saintly guy who always had it together spiritually. The rescue is the story of a real man who's had real struggles and has been rescued, just as he rescued human life, has been rescued by a God who would never give up on him. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for writing the book. And for our listeners around the country who want to get The Rescuer, how should they get the book? You know, my uh, publisher, Thomas Nelson, put together a webpage called rescuerbook.com. Um, it's also available at every bookstore and Christian bookstore out there. And um, I could say come to my personal webpage, but it's pretty boring. So I would say go to <laughs> rescuerbook.com, which the professionals put together, and um, your local bookstore, any of the online booksellers, and it'll be there. Again, thanks to Jason Sotel for writing The Rescuer and for the life he has lived so far and the life he will continue to live, which helps so many of us open up our minds and hearts to the reality of the greatness of God. And uh, I think especially for those who are uh, who call themselves atheists or agnostic, uh, maybe a book like this is precisely what they need. So who in our family doesn't have someone who says, oh, I used to believe, but uh, give them the gift of The Rescuer so they can see that it's very possible to move from uh, darkness into light, and that God's arms are open wide always. Jason, thank you for being with us. Oh, man, it's been such a blessing being here. Thank you so much. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can send them to me through my website, which is www.CloseEncounterTV.com. All one word, CloseEncounterTV.com. To listen to our personally speaking podcast, with some of our most recent shows, please go to YouTube and search under Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Lasanti and subscribe. Personally Speaking is also available as a podcast on Apple Podcasts, on iHeart, and on Spotify. You can listen to past episodes by going to www.ollmp.org. Again, www.ollmp.org where we have not only our recent shows, but also on Senior Jim's weekly homilies. 
By the way, we're also on Facebook. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, personally speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandavis. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.